Oh shit. Here we go again. And we are back on the road to glory. Uh, what's today's date? February 4th. Already flying through 2024. Although January kind of fell a little bit long. I don't know, but I'm Sean, your host as usual, joined here by Steph. Uh, but today, today we have a special guest. Uh, if you guys have been following uh, following us since the beginning, uh, you'll probably know him from our Twitch streams when uh, we were covering the NFL back in 2020, 2021. Uh, he's also just a co-founder of the Pigskin, not only the Pigskin Live, but our brand as well. Um, a close friend and unfortunately a Georgia Bulldog fan, Haz, Hazi, what it do, brother? Welcome to the show. Yes, sir. Almost got to barking in here, man. <laughs> and Good Steph, to be of, back on the live with the game. Of course, of course. And Steph, uh, welcome, welcome as well. Yo, what's good, y'all? What's good, guys? What's good? All right, so we got a little TriCast going. Um, we got the Senior Bowl, so it's a little special bit of an episode here. We're going to talk about the Senior Bowl, talk about some prospects. Um, as the NFL draft gets closer, we'll do an actual full NFL draft where we'll talk about everybody because obviously not all the top prospects were at the Senior Bowl. Um, or played in the game like uh, Caleb Williams, Marvin Harrison, Brock Bowers, etc. Um, a lot of guys obviously weren't there, but let's talk about the guys that were there, um, the guys that made some money that stood out, um, and that I guess just really overall impressed us. I mean, us three were pretty avid college football watchers. If you listen to this podcast, I'm sure you're a pretty avid college football watcher as well. So you probably will know a lot of these names, and some of these names might not be as big of a surprise to you guys, but um, it is nice to see some of these players get some recognition um, on the national scale and the national stage um, after maybe playing at a smaller college that probably doesn't get as much uh, talk as a Bama or a Georgia or Ohio State. Um, let's talk about the practices to start off before we get into the game um, or just the week in general. What were some players that just stood out to you guys um, and that you guys just think are going to be good NFL players in general? Uh, Steph, you want to go? You got it. You got it. Off rip, you already know. I'm about to be a homer and go lab McCanky. <laughs> White boys out there looking like Larry Bird and Cleats for real. Just Not a serious. real technician out there, real route technician. He looked like how he looked all year when he's not hurt, to be honest. And it's great to see him be able to play with different quarterbacks and show that. He's not just a Georgia product, which is probably what most people think, because not many people usually know who Georgia's receivers are. But he was able to showcase what he could do out there. And he's made his name up until the first round this season. We saw the day one of the Senior Bowl, which is crazy. It, it, it is crazy Um, seeing what he was doing out there day one. Left and right, he was just cooking people, causing separation. Um, And he was consistent throughout the rest of the week, obviously, um, as well. But. Like you said, this is just something that Lad has always been able to do. Even when he was younger, uh, he was just always seeming to be open. Kind of like um, even a Jordy Nelson. I know it's it's kind of a layup to compare a white receiver to a white receiver, but now Jordy Nelson, he was just always <laughs> he was always open. Like it was just like, how is this guy always open? And Lad is just he was always just standing there, and nobody's around him. And you're like, like why does he have this much space around him? And he's just elite um, football player. He just knows the game. He knows how to position himself among uh, amongst the defense and where to sit and where to find the gaps. And like you said, when you get one-on-one, it's 
that, that white boy is, is dangerous. Um, for sure. It definitely was a day for the receivers, I think. A lot of for receivers. sure. I mean, yeah, even I'll, Ricky Pearsall. Yeah, I think are going to go crazy next year, especially if they go in a later round of commando. Go ahead, Steph. What were you saying? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Lamb McConkey because it's sort of this thing in sports. Like, I'm just being honest. Like, whenever you have, like, a white wide receiver or really any position, people will just automatically think that they're not as athletic or they're not as fast or, or anything like that as everybody else. But if you watch Lab play, he's just as athletic as anybody else. He got speed. He's got side-to-side quickness. And he's got hands. Like, it seemed like every single one of those drills that I saw, he was getting open in the, in the one-on-ones, just, just making people look silly out there. So, He's definitely somebody that, that I'm going to look out for. And and I've kind of been a defender, not really a defender because people weren't really attacking him, but kind of, you know, trying to be like a fan of him this past season because of this, you know, this whole thing. Like, I'm I'm like, look, man, Georgia's wide receiver core is pretty good, but Ladd is definitely one of the better receivers in the country. So I'm, I'm just glad you, you mentioned him. I agree. And, um, I like how you said day one was really a day for the wide receivers because I, I do think that rings true. Um, but somebody else I want to talk about um, that I thought really stood out on day one was stuff you're going to have to help me out. I think it's Laitu Latu. Is that how you pronounce it or you don't know? It's from yeah, I, think, I, think, I think that's how I you I thought you would know because you're a Pac-12 savant, but I think that, <laughs> I think that's how you pronounce it. Look, Yo. man, whenever, whenever I'm dealing with those Polynesian names, I always got to go to the source themselves. Yeah, for because, real. You know, I've, I've always hear people pronounce it multiple ways. So, you, you, you know, it, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, I was, um, I was watching a few videos and a few clips of him throughout the practice. Um, and some of the stuff that he was doing was just like a little bit too advanced. It, I was I was like I didn't know that we had a, a edge rusher like this in the draft, so he kind of stood out to me and shocked me because I knew UCLA obviously had one of the top defenses in the country, and I I, th- I obviously attributed a lot of that to their secondary, but I don't know this kid he he looked like he could play, and I'll be I'll be interested to see what he could do at the next level. Um, um, I I definitely got to shout out my boy Jackson Powers Johnson. Yes, sir. Uh, the, the Oregon center, uh-huh. he was moving around at center and guard, all senior senior bowl. And I was hearing that he didn't even lose a single rep. And I saw some of it, and he was out there putting in work, man. So Pittsburgh Steelers first-round pick right there. Hey, uh, who, who you can't go you wrong. You can't go wrong. In the league. I don't know. It's hard to compare people to, like, centers and guards, but. <laughs> But he's definitely somebody that I think could be a really good player. Cause, yeah, because he's gonna he's, his stock should go up too because he's gonna be on a lot of people's radar. I know since he's definitely looking at a, a offensive tackle or any lineman for real in the first. I know round, Oregon so State's offensive tackle, Talise Fauga. Yeah, um, he also had a, a good first day, a good week in general. Um, so both Oregon and Oregon State got offensive linemen that could look uh, to be first round picks. I was going to say, Steph, uh, I heard that JPJ potentially hurt his hamstring or something like that. Do you know anything about that? No, I haven't heard anything. 
Uh, I thought I saw something about that. Like he might have tweeted his hamstring. I don't know if it's anything serious. I hope not. But, um, but yeah, as I guess as we moved uh, throughout the week, Quinya Mitchell was a name that started to pop up more. Um, Jarvis Brownlee Jr., another name that I started to see more two defensive backs. Uh, Quinya Mitchell, obviously, from Toledo. Um, I think he's a rising star. I think everybody who's got a chance to watch some of this kid's tape now that they know his name or even just see some of the clips that he has had throughout this week at practice. Um, this kid is nice. He's sticky. Pause. Um, <laughs> and even Jarvis <laughs> and even Jarvis Brownlee Jr. Um, from Louisville. I know some people still aren't totally sold on him, um, but I think he's obviously a raw talent and that he's may not be a day one starter, but when you look at the guy and you think about what he could be as a developed product, I think he could be just as good um, as any corner in the league. So those are two guys in the, in the defensive back room um, that I think could stand out. I know Oregon had a safety uh, get an interception in the Pro Bowl. I know Georgia also has a, a couple of DBs that were playing this week as well. So I guess we could talk a little bit about DBs that stood out. You guys can give your thoughts on Quinya Mitchell and Jarvis Brownlee Jr. as well, if you have any. Uh, we can start with uh, Steph this time. Yeah, I got it. Uh, all right, House. Yeah, so I thought Quinya Mitchell definitely played tough. I didn't see him too much in the actual game, but I did see him in a lot of one-on-ones, and he definitely looked like a first-round corner for sure. Like, DB1, I was seeing out there. Just because of, like you said, his quickness and his ability to recover, like, Everything was strapped. There wasn't really anybody out there. I see him lose any reps. I seen him get bagged on one time, I think, by uh, might have been the LSU guy. I'm not sure. I can't remember. He definitely put on a clinic out there, and his stock's only going to go up, especially after he runs a 40, because I'm assuming he's going to run sub 4-4 low. Like, he looks like a 4-3 kind of guy, honestly. And Max Melton from Rutgers, man. Yeah. I think his stock is going up and once he runs at 40 listen if you're tuned in now just know the streets are saying that kid is going to run 4-2 and I believe it because uh, he's like 5'11 stuff. too right he's almost 6 feet tall so he's not short or anything like yeah, he's got size to him yeah he's gonna go crazy at the combine and he's definitely gonna be a steal whoever gets him in the draft if he slides that's the first round and he's been he put on he had a good weekend for sure so it's great to see that Rutgers is still keeping a tradition alive and producing pro talent. They may not be able to get it done in the Big Ten, but when it comes to producing NFL talent and sustaining it, they definitely know the recipe. That is true. That's a good uh, recruiting pitch for Rutgers. Hey, coming to Rutgers, you will go to the NFL because it's a good Playing match. the Super Bowl, too. Yeah, right. Um, Thanks. Who else? Uh, Missouri had a defensive back, too. I'm forgetting his name. Man, what's his name? Let me, Missouri's got a lot of guys. Man. Yeah. Cody Schrader, he had a good week. Yeah, he's um, a sleeper. I know we I know we don't uh, – I know it's another white-on-white comp, but he's actually he's – he's much smaller, I think, than McCaffrey. He's probably, he probably weighs, like, almost 20, 25 pounds less than McCaffrey. But he definitely has a similar – run style to him and he was he went dumb at Mizzou so and that's a hard that's the best conference 
So if you can get it done at Mizzou and go crazy, I'm, there's no doubt in my mind that when Cody Schrader, whatever team he goes to, he might be a dog. Because in the passing game, too, he's a great asset. Yeah, I think he's better than um, Imani Bailey as well. I thought Imani Bailey's a solid running back out of TCU. And I think if you give him a hole, he'll run through it. And he's fast, he's athletic, and he can score. Um, but if you were looking, Cody Schrader just always makes somebody miss. Or, like, he's, he gets tackled and he falls forward for two or three yards. As soon as Imani Bailey met somebody in the hole, it just felt like he was going to – he went down every time. And – I'm not. He was gaining yards. He was gaining six yards, seven yards because he's fast. He has a burst, but he didn't have that extra make a man miss like uh, Jameer Gibbs. Not saying he can't develop that or he can't become that, but um, Cody Schrader currently does have that. And yeah, you're right. I think he is a sleeper to whatever team's going to grab him. I think he's definitely going to be sought after too. He'll be a high pick. Um, yeah, this running back class isn't too bad. I think there's more sleepers than like. Uh, definite guys. Yeah, I meant to ask y'all which RBs y'all like. Um, I know that New Hampshire running back too is um was pretty decent this week. What's his name? Uh, Dylan Dylan Laub. He had a pretty good week. He's also a dual dual threat. Like he he can catch just as well as he can run the ball. So I think that's also going to be pretty sought after for the NFL nowadays. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, how high he goes, obviously, playing at New Hampshire. Um, teams might not think he played against enough comp, but... So, I think the backs this year are smaller, and they're shifting more towards your typical... I don't think... Obviously, every team is going to have a committee, so you need your speed guy. You need your receiving back. And that's typical. That's really what most of these guys are. Like, I think... I don't know if you guys are familiar with... Uh, Jawar Jordan from Louisville, I think he's like another Gibbs. He's a freak pause type of player where he's just going to – he's a yak monster. So once you get the ball in his hands, it's over with. Yeah, is guys, he in this class? Yeah, he is. Oh, okay. Okay. I think – um, I, I like Audric Estimate too. I think he's more of a, a typical every down back. back. He's yeah. probably the biggest back out there, right? Yeah. He's got to be one of the bigger ones. And, and he's healthy too. He played. He started every game last season. Scored damn near every game, and he's tough. I think he should go top fifteen. But then there's guys like Bucky Irving, who I'm sure Seth believes is the best in this class. <laughs> I think Bucky's. I think Bucky's tough, but I don't know about how you like. I don't know if he's an every down back. He might be yeah. more of a, uh, the one B. Yeah, I love Bucky, but he is a little small. But one thing about him is that he really breaks a lot of tackles. So it'll be interesting to see how he does. Play Quorum's tough, too. I like to see these guys play more, though. And, like, I know it's the senior bowl, but if if these if the other prospects can do it, I mean, I'm not talking guys like Marvin Caleb for obvious reasons, but I think some more guys who aren't top three should definitely participate more so we can see them showcase their skills. I could I could definitely agree with that take. Um, how do you guys feel about Brandon Allen? He's tough. He's definitely tough. He held it down this year after their other running back got hurt. They had they had two monsters at uh, Wisconsin. 
Wisconsin's always going to have good running backs, but uh, Graham Allen is definitely tough. He's a, he runs pretty high. Like, he kind of reminds me of like, Kenneth Walker a little bit. He like, does. That's a good comp, stuff. actually. That's a, that is actually a really good comp. He this does remind me of K-9. He's definitely going to be successful in the league just because of his vision. His vision is crazy. And then um, is Coram declaring? Of course. Yeah, Smaller guy, junior. too, but he's tough. He's like a uh, – I don't even know. I like Corm a lot. That's yeah, Corm and Bucky would be interesting to see where they go. I mean, you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers with a guy like Jalen Warren. Uh, Jalen Warren is obviously a little bit stronger or a little bit bigger than Bucky Irving, but I think if both of those guys put a little bit of weight on, there's a role for them, especially if they're explosive as, as they are as in college, which I don't expect them to just lose overnight. So it just I guess it really depends on the team. Like a, like a Chase Smith, right? Isn't that the Bengals' uh, backup running back? Chase Brown. Chase Brown. Chase Brown. Yeah. I think a lot of a lot of teams around the league are looking for that one two duo unless you have the rare McCaffrey, which Yeah. Doesn't I don't know. Really I got exist. a weird there's like a weird clone going on with like the Chase Brown type of back. You got Chase Brown, Jalen Warren, there's some other Austin Eckler, there's a bunch of like little ball light skin guys that all <laughs> play the same in the same thirty. <laughs> So Blake Corum <laughs> gets drafted and puts on thirty. Just know Ray Davis. There's, there's, there, yeah, there's a factory for those guys. You guys think Ray Davis will be all right? I mean, he had a couple. He had obviously that monster game against Florida. Oh yeah, for sure. Then he killed. I think Louisville he just goes on. under the radar because of the school he went to. I mean, Ray Davis played Ohio State. Yeah, people would be going crazy. Okay, I think uh, now we should talk about the quarterbacks. We've been tiptoeing around that a little bit. But um, obviously, not all of them were in attendance. The top three weren't in attendance. Caleb Williams, Drake May, and Jaden Daniels. But Michael Penix, uh, Bo Nix, Michael Pratt, Spencer Rattler, um, Sam Hartman, they were all in attendance, as well as Joe Milton and a few others. Um, before we talk about the, the top of the top, let's talk about the guys that were actually at the Senior Bowl first. Um, feels like... Penix and Bo Nix were fine. They didn't really do anything to raise their stock, but they didn't really do anything to hurt it. So I don't know if you guys feel like that's good or bad. I mean, I guess it can't really be bad, right? Um, but it's not really good. I guess maybe you did have opportunity to, to maybe woe a few teams and be like, all right, maybe you are worthy of one of those top three picks. But um, it doesn't seem like either of the two kind of cemented themselves in that mix with Caleb. Williams, Drake Mayer, Jaden Daniels. It seems like there's a pretty clear gap after the top three. Yeah, when yeah, it comes to I, these, go ahead, Oz. Yeah, I'll speak on Bo Nix. I probably got less to say, but I think he <laughs> solidified himself seriously when he put on a campaign this year. Like, he's undisputed going first round just because he was a Heisman finalist. Whoa. Four years. Whoa. I mean, let's be real, bro. Undisputed let's, first round. I mean, How many teams real, need a quarterback? Bro. I don't know about all that. Listen, let me finish saying what I was going to okay, say. Okay, all it's going to take is some freaky throws at Pro Day. We've seen this story plenty of times. <laughs> you know, like, we see guys like Zach Wilson and Will Like, you know about them T-shirts. Yeah, come on now. So, it's as soon. And if he runs a good 40, Bo Nix is going to – some people might take him over Penix. I've seen mock drafts. I've seen plenty of mock drafts with him going before Penix. And I think Penix That's will fair. go first round, in my opinion. But I agree with that. Okay. But I think a team like the Ra- the Raiders or there's a lot of teams picking at the back end that could 
Steelers to grab a quarterback. Unfortunately, I hope not, man. That'd be nasty. I, I agree, but listen, I'm not saying he is. A, I would, I wouldn't draft him in the first round. No matter what my situation was, but I couldn't <laughs> can see teams taking that risk on him just because of his resume. Yeah. Um. I mean, when it comes to every quarterback in this draft, I think the best throwers of the football is definitely Caleb and, and Penix when it comes to just strictly throwing the ball, being able to hit anything with the ball. But I think a lot of times at these all-star games and environments, it's hard for them to get in sync with the wide receivers. So you might see see some throws that look like they're bad or or, or like they're not in the right place, but you're, you're going with you're going with a bunch of guys from all different places, so you don't really have any chemistry with them. So I don't, I wouldn't really worry too much about about a quarterback's performance unless there was just something really bad or weird going on. But um, in this in, in this environment, personally, I would look more at the other positions because you're really going against each other. Like when you're looking at a wide receiver beating a defensive back or you know a D lineman beating an O lineman, like like those are are things that will really happen in the NFL game. Um, you know, most of the time in the NFL, you're not going to be thrown into an environment where you aren't, where you haven't been practicing with the, the other team. Right. So, you know, I've, you know, I've heard and, and seen some things about, about um, a lot of the quarterbacks, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it'll really hurt them that much if, if they didn't perform like people maybe expected. Okay. Um, I think somebody that did help themselves though was definitely Spencer Rattler. Now, obviously, that's been a pretty cont- hotly contested name throughout his collegiate career. His time at Oklahoma, now his time at South Carolina. Um, even in high school, he was a very highly rated prospect. Um, now it looks like it's come full circle. He had a seemed like he had a pretty impressive week. The natural arm talent is there. Um, even at South Carolina, he showed. Um. Prospects of being a good quarterback and just being a he good leader. He was not Steph, the problem at South Carolina. Steph, you've been a big Spencer Rattler yeah, throughout the whole year on this podcast. You've been ringing that bell, and I've been laughing at you, but here we are. <laughs> no, I was just saying <laughs> that he's not the problem at South Carolina, bro. Yeah. <laughs> here we yeah, are. He definitely uh, wasn't the problem. I mean, Spencer Rattler, just as, he's one of the most talented. and Arm-wise, he's one of the most talented quarterbacks in this draft up there with Caleb. I mean, he, he definitely has a crazy deep ball and his accuracy when he wants it to be is it can be elite. I'm not even going to hate. It's really it's really just how can he be as a decision maker in the league, I think. If he goes to a team with a great coach and where he can get developed, he should be successful in my opinion, honestly. Because he really has all the attributes. It's just, he's just going to need help around him. I don't know if he's like a elite enough quarterback to where he could just go somewhere and take over. He's going to need some talent, but and I, it'd be cool to see him pair up with Leggett in the pros. I think that'd be tough. Yeah, Leggett is, is definitely going to be an issue. Um, that guy is physically pretty dominant. I feel like he's a better DK Metcalf. No cap. He's like A.J. Brown. Mm. Um, Quarterback, quarterback. All right. Outside, all right, so let's talk a little bit about Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels real quick. Um, who do you think is the best of the three? Caleb. How's you agree? Caleb, Jaden, and May? Yeah. Who is it? 
I obviously think Caleb, but I do think that, and I'm not trying to push any narrative or wish anything unsuccessful on Lamarcus, but I think Jaden Daniels is going to have the career we thought Lamar Jackson did. Whoa. So, wow. Okay. Listen, you think Lamar should have scored. First of all, I was arguing with my with my boy, and I was saying, like, is Jaden Daniels faster than Lamar? And I really think so. Faster? I think he's fa- yes. Yeah, like, right now, obviously, faster. it looks like. But I'm saying, like, like he, he's fast as shit. Anybody who's watching him play knows how fast he is. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's fast as fast. hell. And I think he's just a better passer. I really do. So if he goes to a team with some weapons and he can – that's his scenario. He obviously has to go to a great team. He can't go to – or a great franchise, I should say. He can't go to a team like the Cardinals or the fucking – I think if he goes to the Patriots, you know, Belichick is up out of there. People want to play for the Patriots now. It's a whole new era. It's damn near like a new franchise, if we're being honest. Belichick is out of there. It's a whole new organization, basically. The players want to play for a younger coach, a player's coach, someone who played in a league for that team at that. I think if the Patriots can grab Jaden Daniels, pair him with, who knows, even if they could get Brian Thomas in the second round or some shit, just really load up uh, that offense, he's going to be successful, bro, because... He has the same attributes as Lamar. They're the same exact players. I agree, and I was um, I was saying the big point on the reason why I do believe Jaden Daniels was the Heisman, um, and I and I've said this multiple times on this show. He led the entire FBS, not just quarterbacks. He led every single player in yards per carry at like eight point three. So like running back, quarterback, like anybody that qualified for that stat. And like you said, that is that's generational. Um, the fact that he is doing that with his legs, and then, like you said, is just as good as almost anybody with his arm. So it's not that wild that you think he could be that successful. Now, obviously, NFL defenses are a whole different thing. So we'll see. But as long as he can, the game does isn't too fast for him. Could be and right. they build around him and don't yeah. make, make him to be a player he's not. He's not. Okay. Um, Steph, you said Caleb Williams. You want to expand a little bit on that take, or you think it speaks for itself? Man, it's just his throwing. He's clearly got the best arm. He's got enough arm strength. He's got the accuracy. Um, You know, I, I know that USC wasn't the best team this past year, but if you just look at Caleb, and what he is able to do, if they had an average quarterback, that team probably doesn't even go bowling. Um, <laughs> Caleb, Caleb was absolutely carrying, and you know, he just he just makes an insane play every week. He runs around and somehow figures out to figures out figures out how to find a guy downfield. Um, he could throw off balance. He could throw on the run. He just he's just done some of the most insane stuff I've ever seen in terms of throwing. So I think he's the most suited for an NFL career. Oh yeah, for sure. I'm missing a Drake yeah, man too. Un- How do you guys feel about him being taken over Justin Fields? If y'all were owners, are you just taking him because he's that generational and you see his ceiling? Oh. Probably. I think. I think Justin Fields could get a lot of good out of a fresh start. Honestly, I think it might be good for the franchise and for Justin Fields to to 
try to get some trade value from him because I know there's a lot of teams that think they can win with a guy like Justin Fields. Like, I don't think Justin Fields is done in any way, shape, or form. I just think he needs a coach that knows how to use his skill set in the right way. Um, so, yeah, I personally, I think if you're able to take Caleb, you got to take him. I don't know. I don't think I would. I would probably just go ahead and get Justin Fields some some talent. Um, but I don't think that I don't think that's a knock on Caleb Williams. I no, just the problem him. is does the value match the draft pick? Like when you're drafting number one, mm-hmm. you you, you have to down. pick. Yeah, exactly. Like you yeah, need you would to trade down get a draft a like Robert Harrison pick. or yeah. something. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. If you're going to keep Justin Fields. Exactly. You're right. But then you get Marvin Harrison. So yeah, it's like that's, that's the value what I'm saying. Is there. That's what right. I'm saying. This yeah. is one of the most interesting drafts in a long time, especially just because of the top three prospects. Crazy. I, I think I think that they're gonna give Justin Fields a fresh start. In my opinion, they kept their coach, so they know what they want to do scheme that scheme wise. But personnel wise, I think they're gonna move on. And maybe he can go to Atlanta. Shit. Yeah, that'd be tough. I would like to see it. They got a new coach. So let's see. Let's start transitioning this conversation a little bit to wide receivers since we had mentioned Marvin Harrison. He's obviously the the number one overall prospect at that position, maybe even the number one overall prospect in this draft, depending on where you view him and Caleb Williams. Um, outside of that, though, we mentioned Ladd and Ricky. Um, few other names as well that were at um senior week i thought tez walker could have been better i still think he's a, a fine player um but i don't think he did himself any favors at senior year uh senior year senior bowl week um brendan rice he was there johnny wilson was also there um malachi corley from western kentucky he stood out um before we talk about the rest of the top names in the class, were there any other wide receivers at Senior Bowl week that kind of made some noise or you guys thought to be pretty good players? Really interested in Brendan Rice. That's Jerry Rice's son, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I think I think Tez, yeah, Tez Walker probably didn't make any new noise to anybody who didn't know who he was. I think that guys who we already mentioned, McConkey, Pearsall, uh, who else? Uh, who else went dumb? I'm not sure. I don't really think anybody broke out like that. Seriously, Roman Wilson we said was cool, but the guys we really want to see, like Marv, didn't do anything. And I think in one on one, they could really just he could yeah, go all for the that uh, one overall spot. You know, all the top I mean, wide receivers one are not seniors. I don't think. Yeah, that's also true. I know Luke McCaffrey was out there. I thought I, yeah, I he had, think a, he had the play that, of the game, right, in the Senior Bowl. Uh, I'm not sure. Catch honestly. of the game, I should say. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, he he did make a nice catch if if you didn't watch, but that's pretty cool. It'd be it's gonna be uh tough to see him and his brother in the league. Definitely. I mean, anybody that got um anybody that has NFL ties already, whether that be uh uncle a brother a dad i think that really just gives them an advantage for sure you know it's also this is a little side note but 
watching all the prospects from Arizona in this class is really funny. Because they were just just seeing how many prospects come from these schools that are so ass over the season is just goes to show that there's really talent everywhere. You said from where? Arizona. Oh, Jacob Cowboy. Yeah, they got a corner. I think they got Arizona a running back ass. as well. Yeah, they do have a running back. Arizona was nice this year. Arizona will wax Georgia. <laughs> sure thing, bud. <laughs> um, I, I do like Jacob Cowing though, out of Arizona. He's a good wide receiver prospect. He's smaller slot guy, but I think he's a pretty good technician. I'm talking about the top of the class now. You already mentioned Brian Thomas. Um, we have Marvin Harrison Jr. Let's talk about Romo Dunze. We got Malik Neighbors, Keon Coleman, Troy Franklin, um, Xavier Leggett, like you mentioned. Uh, both of the Texas wide receivers, Xavier Worthy and Adane Mitchell, are also um, heading to the draft. Out of those guys, who are you looking at the most? Definitely Adunze, if you're going to say anybody besides Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah, Adunze is wide receiver, too. Man, he just catches everything. You talk about difficult catches, over the shoulder. You know, back shoulder, he can catch the ball no matter where it's coming from. Um, route running, he could he could run every route. He's got the speed. He's got size. I mean, he's just a pretty good prospect. The only thing you can say yeah. about him is is he's old, but he's not that old. He was in college for four years, I think. That's the normal time to be in college, right? Yeah. Like, so He's a true junior, so. Yeah, so or true, yeah, true senior, he, true senior man. Yeah, so he's you know he's not even old, so he's definitely somebody that I think is going to be a major contributor for whatever team gets him. Day one starter for sure. Got to keep that uno uno on. Hopefully, don't go to a franchise that'll make him put on some nasty shit like eighty three. I think any of these guys are a little bit overrated. I know Keon Coleman potentially might not be uh might be on fraud watch. I think he's nice. <laughs> I think he's tough, man. Yeah, I don't yes, know why yes. people keep saying he's like Yeah, I don't I don't <laughs> has bust potential. Like nah, he's a good player. you go out there and guard him one on one. And he's a pretty big guy too, right? Isn't he like six Yeah, he's, four? he's like sure. six he's four, I think. Six four two fifteen. Yeah, he's huge. Yeah, no. And that's fine. That's perfectly fine, because all he's gonna do is Fly down in the draft and land on a better team. That's usually how these things go. It's true. They listen. They listen to Mel Kiper and they follow his mock draft. But like even the edge we spoke about earlier, not to side rail from the uh, receiver conversation, but Tatu from UCLA, I think he could be like top ten talent for sure. He is nice. I'm, sure. I'm. I mean, I'm down to to switch over the conversation if you want to talk about a few other people. Um, I know Jared Verse was there um, on the draft boards. Dallas Turner, another edge potentially that could see significant, uh, I guess, being drafted early. And I know Chris Braswell had a decent week um, out there at Senior Bowl week as well. Um, even on the D line, I guess, who was it? Braden Feist, he had a good week. Um, who else was out there? Uh, um, it's like, I forgot the guy from LSU, what his name was, uh, Robinson. But I know he had a decent week. But anybody in the D-line or edge that 
you guys are really looking at. I know this isn't as strong of a class as it has been. Um, oh, you mentioned Dallas Turner. He's super tough. I think that him and Jerry Rush are the top two edge rushers in this class. Yeah, I'm and a big fan of Jerry Rush. Yeah, definitely. His story, too, coming from Albany and then getting an offer from Florida State, balling out for a year like that, and now he's a top 10 prospect. It's crazy. That is crazy. Uh, there's another guy from um, Illinois. I don't know how to say his first name, but Newton. I seen that. Jerzon Newton. Yeah. Yeah. Jerzon. Okay. Byron Murphy. Uh, Michael Hall, the, the Ohio State. You're right. The Ohio State defensive lineman is pretty decent. And Missouri got yeah. one as well, I think, right? Yeah. I'm I'm cool. I'm honest. I think that's the typical. Like every year, it's a bunch of run stuffers. I think that go first round and they never really like pan out to be super elite but this year guys like Tavondre Sweat they're monsters that really look like okay these guys might this might be generational D linemen and if you can get that in the first round you grab that every time I think all right now let's talk a little bit about the safety class we got Cam Kitchens um Tyke Smith Javon Bullard Evan Williams um, yeah. Josh Proctor out of Ohio State. Um, talk to me a little bit about this class. If you guys have any thoughts on any of those players, I'm sure you do. So I just need some Georgia and Oregon players. Yeah, I actually don't. I think next year's class for Georgia, the DBs will be better. I think will be a lot better. But it's tough to see some some uh, some of the safeties go this year. But none of them to me are really, like I don't know any safeties in specific in this class. That is. I think Cam Kitchens for out of Miami. I think he's going to be a good player. He's pretty physical. Um, I think he's like six one, maybe six two. So he's a pretty tall DB, solid DB. Um, he could play around the line of scrimmage. He could play deep. Um, we'll have to see about his speed to make sure he can actually run some of these NFL wide receivers. But I think if that all checks out, he runs a decent forty. I think he'll be a pretty solid safety. Um, I think what, the DBs are the yeah, the D safety. I don't know about the safety, but there's corner. definitely DBs. Nate Wiggins is one of my favorite prospects in a long time. I spent uh, a little time watching his college film a couple of days ago, mm-hmm. and he's like everything you want in a cornerback. And, te- and even if you're teaching a young DB, like you put on his tape, and he does everything you want as a DB. Like talk about playing through the whistle. He had a play where. Uh, I forgot who they played, but he calls a fumble right at the goal line on the last second. And it's just a play that you don't see DBs make. You don't see that kind of effort, even from D linemen, <coughs> Chase Young sometimes. <laughs> so Nate Wiggins is one of my favorite DB prospects. If he slides to 18 in the draft, if there's a football god, we need him in Cincinnati. But I mean, hey, if you don't get him, there's a lot of corners um, that are in this class. I mean, Terrion Arnold. One of the, probably the highest rated out of everybody right now um, from Alabama. And then they have also another DB, Kool Aid McKinstry, um, Cooper DeJean, the white corner, the elusive Dejean. white corner, DeJean. What, what, what are we thinking about him? Y'all think he could play? I know he's an athlete. Obviously, we all know he's an athlete, but um, I'm, I'm assuming he could play. I mean, Iowa's defense literally got them t- uh, 10 wins this year. So, um, I don't know if I want the Steelers drafting him, but I'll be interested to see how he plays. He'd fit perfect on the Steelers. I mean, we know. We... <laughs> what? He, he literally, he plays for the Steelers. 
<laughs> yeah, basically, he wouldn't even have to change his jersey. It's true. That is true, actually. Hey, he might be a Steeler. Careful now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I want Cooper DeGene when this guy's like Kool Aid and named Kool Aid in his draft. <laughs> if you go Cooper DeGene over Kool Aid, you're crazy. But I'm definitely taking Carry On, Kool Aid, and Nate Wiggins over Cooper DeGene. I know Chris Abrams ran out of Missouri. He had a pretty good week as well. That was the corner um, who had a solid senior week, uh, senior bowl week. Uh, Kamari Lasseter, he was also at the Senior Bowl. Um, outside of that, though, any other prospects you guys want to talk about? I feel like we got through a lot of them. You're sleeping on Kyrie. Yeah, I mean, we talk about the guys. They put uh, us on, man. Say that again? I say you're sleeping on Kyrie Jackson. Uh, I'm, I just, that's why I, I'm glad I didn't hear that the first time. <laughs> Anyways. Hope he has a good, uh, a good NFL career. That's uh, Cooper DeGene had a pick six against Rutgers. I'm sitting here watching his film. He's definitely nice. He's got great uh, ball skills. Yeah, I mean, B, like, like, he's a crazy punt returner, kick returner. That boy's different. Yeah. yeah, he won that game against Michigan State for them too. Yep. Yeah. Um, That's tough. All right, let's let's uh, switch gears to this conversation. Um. Tennessee, they have been in the news, obviously. The NCAA came out and um, said that they were under investigation for some recruiting violations. Pretty much everybody's under investigation right now. Um, and Tennessee, uh, I guess their president or somebody somebody from Tennessee. Uh, Steph, I know you have a little bit more information about this. You'll explain to us in a second. But they came out and basically said, um, how do, are you guys punishing us and investigating us for these recruiting violations when there's like no rules? Like what rules are you like? And I guess that's kind of true. Um, and they do have some basis. So now I guess there's some lawsuit or something going on. Um, and this is where I will now hand the ball off to Steph. Steph, I know you said you read a little bit more about this. Do you have any information that you can give us about this Tennessee situation? Yeah. So basically. Without getting into a bunch of legalese or anything like that, the NCAA is trying to punish Tennessee for something that goes against state laws. So um, it seemed like when when all the NIL first started happening a few years ago, if I remember correctly, it was California that started that started it first. They were the first state to allow. Um, I think it was high school athletes to to profit off their name, image, and likeness, and then because of that, of course, the South rushed to to get their laws going too because they they knew that to to compete in college sports that they're going to have to allow NIL, and then you know I guess every state does it now, but the NCAA is is trying to to punish Tennessee for for rules that go against their laws, and also Virginia is joining in on a lawsuit and. I think this was mostly surrounding um, the quarterback, Nico Iamalevia, um, who's going to be a, I guess, retro freshman this year. He's he's going to be their new starter. He was a five-star prospect, pretty high-profile high player. So, yeah, this to me, this is probably a big step towards the NCAA ceasing to exist. Um, they don't really have any power over anybody. They're not going to win this case. 
against Tennessee and Virginia. It's just it's just a new age, man. And, and when I say the NCAA is going to cease to exist, I don't mean that they're literally just going to go away. I mean, they're still going to be a thing in, in basketball and in the lower levels. But what I mean is the top level of college football is probably not going to be under the NCAA at some point in the future. And this looks like a major step in making that happen because if they have no power and they can't enforce any rules, then, then what are you doing? What do we need you for? Am I correct? Um, like, I don't even think they own the college football playoff. So that's just something that the sport is kind of just doing on its own, whereas the NCAA owns the, the basketball tournament. So it's like, we don't even need you to have our championship. Right. So <laughs> it's like, like this, honestly, this has probably been in the works for a decade plus as, as we've been moving into this new age of NIL and, and things like that. So yeah, it's just, it's just going to be interesting to see. Um, Everything I'm hearing is that, that the NCAA really has no chance to win this case because they're really going against state laws and, Obviously, the government is going to go against just an organization, like right, like they're going to side with with actual laws instead of an organization that that doesn't really have any power. So, yeah, this is this is definitely going to be going to be interesting to monitor over the coming months. And, and do you think it holds any weight against Nico's commitment to Tennessee, or is it all just outside noise? No, I think. I think if the NCAA actually had power, we might see some crazy situation where maybe he'd be ruled ineligible or something like that if they were able to 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 find some violations. But since the NCAA has no power, I don't think this is going to affect him or, or Tennessee's football season in any way. And, and Tennessee is really bringing down the hammer because I don't know if y'all remember, but they already were facing sanctions for stuff that happened under – um, Jeremy Pruitt. So they were already in trouble from the NCAA for stuff that happened years and years ago. And, and you know, if you get in trouble again, then you might get a, a postseason ban or, or, you know, really a lot of reduced scholarships and things like that that could really cripple your program. So, so Tennessee is not trying to let anything like that happen again. Um, but I think, I think this time they should, they should come out ahead and really, what this is going to do is it's going to help the rest of our teams. You know, I know you're a Georgia fan, you're a Florida fan. Like, like this is all good news for everybody. Right. Um, and um, I don't know if you mentioned it a little bit earlier. I was a little bit tapped out reading something, but um, I guess in kind of spite of this, in lieu of this situation, the big 10 and the sec did form an advisory group. Um the Big Ten released an official statement, and it's basically said, I'll read it real quick. It says, the Big Ten Conference and the Southeastern Conference today announced the formation of a joint advisory group of university presidents, chancellors, and athletic directors to address the significant challenges facing college athletes and the opportunities for betterment of the student-athlete experience. Um, they say these challenges, including but not limited to recent court decisions, blah, blah, blah basically saying that's why they have decided to take a leadership role in developing solutions for the sustainable future of college sports. Um, I guess the biggest thing and the biggest obstacle with, I guess, this happening was um, student representation in like every major workforce 
and the United States of America. They have unions and workers have representation. Even in the NFL and the NBA, they have the NFL Players Association, the NBA Players Association or whatever it's called for them. Um, they have representation where they have a collective bargaining agreement where the owners of all the teams um, bargain and agree to a set of whatever money and a whole bunch of other terms with the athletes, right? So there needs to be student athlete representation within this advisory group. And they did confirm that within this um, press release, they said that the advisory group will engage with other constituities as necessary, including consultation with student athletes and other key leadership groups. So I think that's super important. Uh, and I think that's a major step. I know a lot of people have been talking about this for a long time. Yeah. Um, Steph, you've alluded to it just now saying that the NCAA kind of is powerless and that teams can yeah. kind of give championships out without um, without even um, the NCAA. So with the Big Ten and the SEC kind of now combining, we really are getting to that point where it's looking like a super conference is eminent and these two leagues will just really be what everybody's watching on TV. I mean, right now the Big Ten is contracted with CBS and, and Fox, or is it just CBS now? I think it's CBS and Fox. CBS and, Fox. and I know... Uh, ESPN has exclusive rights to the SEC now. Pretty much every single game will be on ESPN, ABC, one of their networks. So um, to see these two conferences come together like this is is pretty huge. And um, Greg Sankey, as well as um, Tony Petiti, uh, the two commissioners of both conferences, really do seem like they, they want to work together more um, than it has been in the past. Uh, the Big Ten and the SEC almost seem like to be rivals in the past. Now it seems like they want to work together to kind of, you know, figure some shit out. Yeah, if if students, if the student athletes became, or if the football players became employees, like you said, then that would be the final nail in the coffin for the NCAA. Because then, like you said, they would have a union, they would have a CBA, and you're just employees under contract at that point. So, right. There would there wouldn't even be a need for the NCAA at least at the top level of college football and honestly I think that might be better for everybody because let's be honest football at the top level has different needs than every other sport there's just there's just not the same amount of money the same amount of popularity the same amount of commitment and the same amount of resources dedicated towards all these other sports. If you want to talk about scale of operation, I, t I talked about this before. College football probably has the largest scale of operation in sports in the world. Be just because of the amount of people, you know, everybody talks about the, ar the army of polo shirts and things like that. Um, the only things that's probably comparable is like a racing team and like a Formula One team just because of all the, the engineering and stuff that goes into developing a car. but. It's a bigger scale of operation than the NFL, MLB. Of course, the NBA. NBA only has, what, 15 guys? So, you know, like, like, like it's just it's just truly insane when you think about it. Like, Georgia football Definitely. is a totally different entity than the girls' soccer team. That's just facts. I mean, football funds exactly. all the rest of the athletic program. Exactly. And some basketball programs obviously as well help, but – 
Yeah, fo- there's yeah, maybe like, only like five basketball few, programs. Yeah, yeah are, I mean like the Kansas and <laughs> yeah, you know, like yeah, Duke, like yeah, your you know Duke I mean? and North yeah. Carolina are funded. North Carolina, the rest yeah. of y'all ain't funding nobody. So, <laughs> but this is what I'm saying. It's like, like football, at least power football now is really a power too. Big Ten, SEC is is really a different. It's just a different level than the rest of the college sports. So. I think right. it would be good for everybody because the NCAA really has no power and the NCAA can actually dedicate their resources to doing right by all the rest of the student athletes because it's there it isn't just division 1 that exists at least in football you have FCS division 2 division 3 all the other sports have division 2 division 3 like the NCAA is still going to be around for them and all those thousands of athletes need that like like I'm in favor of athletes getting the best out of their sport as possible, but you can't sit here and say that that football at the highest level should be governed by the same rules as golf. It just doesn't make any sense. So this is something that's been going on for a while. I re- I don't know if you guys remember, but during COVID, when everything was shut down, the SEC was going to have a season regardless. Like I do remember that <laughs> they were gonna play a, a season, so we were gonna get at least eight games from all those teams, and they were probably gonna have an SEC championship championship game. And, yeah, we we're gonna get SEC championship, yeah. regardless. So we were lucky that we got the playoff, and then that all these other conferences had a cobbled together schedule and things like that, even though it was shortened. But the SEC was gonna play their full schedule. They wasn't playing. So to me, that should have been a really big sign of of what was to come because. At the end of the day, when people want to do something, they're going to do it. And everybody in the SEC came together and said, look, we don't care what's going on. We're going to play football. If the players are going to go out there and play, we're going to have a season. So we don't, they didn't need anybody. They didn't need any organizations. They didn't need any help to do what they wanted to do. So this is, this is kind of just what's going on now. And, and when it's looking like the Big Ten is joining. So... Like I said, it's definitely going to be something to monitor this coming season. But I don't think this is really going to affect Tennessee um, in 2024 as far as anything on the field. Agreed. Um, And right now, like you mentioned, like the NCAA, they're just looking to make an example out of somebody. Like everybody's kind of. They're holding on for dear life, bro. Yeah, it's pay for play. That's what it is right now. Anybody that is telling you any differently is lying to you. Like these guys are signing NIL deals. No, they're signing contracts to go play for these schools. Basically. Um, yeah. And that's fine. Like there's nothing wrong with that, but it it needs to be governed accordingly. Um, So to see the big 10 and the sec kind of come together to do that is potentially good. Um, But we shall see. No one knows what the future holds. Um, for uh no okay we can move on um big 12 they released their schedule um they added a few new teams this upcoming season uh arizona will be joining arizona state will be joining um utah will be joining um colorado will be joining west colorado will be joining west Virginia has already been in and I think that's it. I think that's it. Yeah, because Houston and UCF joined already. Just joined. Cincinnati just joined. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, BYU they all, was already in there too. They were already in it. Yep. So this schedule already dropped. I actually have not had a chance to look at it myself. Um, but let's go ahead and I guess take a look at it. It's um, gonna be weird because that, there's not really any big rivalries anymore since Red River is not in the Big Twelve, and yeah, that everybody's. Yeah, there really isn't any big rivalries. I guess the the holy war BYU and Utah is probably the biggest. I was say BYU, BYU, Utah, Arizona, Arizona State. Yeah. Um, Kansas, Kansas State. But you're right. For the most part, the biggest rivalry is now gone uh, to the SEC. But I guess we will start uh, to get some new rivalries form as uh, yeah. this takes place. Um, but yeah, I guess Arizona was the biggest factor heading into this offseason for the Big 12, heading into next year with Noah Fafita, Jed Fish, um, and a whole bunch of other players. But with Jed Fish leaving to go take over at Washington, what newcomer do you really think um, is going to be the most formidable? I guess all eyes kind of point to Utah. Utah. No. It's either Utah or Arizona if we're talking about newcomers. Yeah. I was talking about newcomers. We could talk about Big 12 in the grand scheme in a second, but newcomers, you're, you're looking at Utah, even still Arizona? Yeah, I think Brett Brennan is a good coach. Okay. And that's, I think that's definitely fair. Yeah, Utah, um, what they've done, I guess, just throughout um, Kyle Whittingham's time there, which definitely deserves, like... <laughs> and they're going to have Cam Rising and Keithy you know? back. Yeah, so... Um, let me pull up because that graphic was mad blurry. Let me see if I can find a different graphic. It's more clear for me because I want to go through the schedule. Um, yeah, so Utah, they play. Where is Utah? Sorry, guys. Utah, they play Baylor, Utah State, Oklahoma State, Arizona. So I guess at Oklahoma State. It's going to be their toughest road game early. They get Baylor and Arizona at home. Um, then they go to Arizona State. We know things get weird in the desert. They go to Houston. Then they go to Colorado. So that could be a tricky three-game road stint right there, Arizona State, Houston, Colorado, especially because we're expecting Arizona State and Colorado to get better. Um, then they're home against BYU and Iowa State. And they close out at UCF. So this is not the friendliest schedule for Utah. Um, but based off here on some of those initial teams, you still feel good about them? Yeah. But you know what else I think? I think there's going to be like four nine and three teams in this conference. <laughs> there's going to be a bunch of teams that are like nine and three, eight and four. Like there's, there's yeah, not going to be. to the playoffs. Well, whoever Nowadays whoever the, wins the conference is going to make the playoffs, regardless. But I don't think they get more than one team in the playoffs. If you want to, if you want to say that. Well, I'm saying if you're only getting six, if you're getting six in guaranteed as conference champions, and you got six other spots left, you're going to have multiple teams probably with not with three losses. I don't think and the big. Is the, is I don't the think conference the champion an auto bid though? Yeah, right now I it, it is. was just the top twelve. It's nah. a conference champion Stup- is auto bid. Stupidly, so, so the, it's so not the just a top twelve conference championship. Yes, but I don't think I don't think a nine and three Big Twelve team is getting in. 
the interesting thing is going to be if it's a 10 and 2 Big 12 team that didn't win the Big 12 or like a two loss Big 12 team versus a three loss SEC or Big Team or Big 10 team I think that's going to be the the interesting conversation but personally I, I don't think the Big 12 gets two teams in I think the ACC uh, will get two teams in before the Big 12 before the Big 12 Cuz like I said I think okay. I think there's going to be a bunch of teams that are like 8 and 4 like I don't. Yeah, I mean, I like the Big Twelve. It's competitive. Yeah, like it's it's a real. Is there's gonna be a lot of parity? Like, like I don't. There's not one really dominant program. Like we're all talking about Utah and Arizona right now, but I mean, TCU still got the same coach. I know they were down last year, but they're probably not gonna be as bad this year. We'll see. Um, you know, BYU is always interesting. You got Colorado. They're probably gonna be better. Like, like if Colorado went five and seven with that team, and they probably have way better players now. Like, I mean, they got their quarterback back. You know, this is a team that could go 8-4, and four and maybe they sneak into the Big 12 title game. You know, like, this yeah, is just knows. a conference that, that nobody really knows what's going to happen. Like, it's not like the Big 10 where you got Ohio State, which is probably the best team. In the SEC, you probably got Georgia, which is the best team, or Texas. The Big 12 is, is like, wide open. Kansas State, Baylor. Yeah, you got Kansas I'm looking State. at the most recent conference champions who had the most conference titles. Obviously, Oklahoma ruled that conference for as long as its existence. Right. With 14. Next, you got Texas with four. And after that, it's Baylor, Sheesh. Kansas State with three. Nebraska, two. TCU, one. Oklahoma State, one. Buffs, one. So, like, that conference is, they might as well redo it. <laughs> yes, it's, everybody's basically starting at zero now. Oh. Fresh start. Well, you got um, still got Oklahoma State out there. Like we seen last year, they had that one bad game where they lost. So who was it? South Alabama, and then and then they ended up going on a crazy run and making the title game. Like, like these are all teams that could potentially win this conference. Yeah, and I mean we have seen a few of these teams on top of the world. I mean we've seen TCU in the playoffs in the Natty. Uh, we've seen Baylor, one of the top teams, almost making the playoffs at one point. We've seen um, OSU is one of the top teams back in the BCS era. Uh, Kansas State even. Um, Iowa State with Purdy. Uh, yep. So it's not like this conference doesn't have some of those teams ready to step up and become those new powerhouses. But you guys are right. Definitely right now, there is nobody that has established himself as the big dog of this conference. Yep. It really is. a Because hey. even in the ACC, with the new teams, SMU and all them, Clemson is still the big dog. Florida State is still one of the big dogs. Like those guys are all still the same. You know what I mean? But this is all. Hey, you know. don't sleep on Kansas. No, they're don't getting, sleep on Kansas. Is, uh, is their quarterback coming back? What's the buddy's name? Jalen Brown. Yeah, Jalen Daniels. He's gonna be back. Jalen Daniels. He's yeah. coming back. So look, just say look, and they got the coach. Their coach has been rumored for all these these uh bigger jobs, and he's staying at Kansas. So. This is going to be an interesting year, man. Definitely, definitely going to be an interesting year. Um, other than that, I don't have much else. Steph, how's do you guys have anything else you guys want to get into? I mean, Clown of the Week. Come on now. Oh, yes. Oh, how could I forget about Clown of the Week? I'm sorry Clown of the Week, I'm glad, man. I'm glad you're here to remind us. Yo, we could definitely close it out here with Clown of the Week. Clown Real quick, Haas, do you have anything else you want to get into before we get Clown of the Week, or are you down to get into Clown of the Week? Nah. All right, best Steph, our favorite segment, 
I, I haven't got the sound yet. I, I was slacking. I got. Oh get yeah, the sound. I forgot fault. to look for it too. I, I yeah, want yeah, that yeah. circus we gotta sound. Get, we got to get the sound. Yeah, yeah. we got to get the circus sound for next week. Oh, because this one definitely, um, this one definitely deserves a sound. But all right, Seth, give us clown of the week. I mean, this is a little bit old, but the previous clown of the week, not clown of the week, uh, superseded this. So this week's clown of the week is Texas and really Texas basketball. I know we don't talk basketball on here, but this is so such a clown incident that I had to bring it up. I don't know if you guys heard the whole I know deal. exactly what you're about to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> so so you know what I'm talking about. This the whole yeah, debacle yeah. with the horns down t-shirts. And yep. the worst part about all of this is that they're making me defend BYU fans. Like, y'all know how I feel about BYU. I'm not rocking with BYU in any way, shape, or form. (laughs) But in this instance, they did nothing wrong. And I got to support them in this incident because – so here's what happened. They're at a basketball game, and it's Texas versus BYU men's basketball. And there's a bunch of BYU fans in the crowd, and they're wearing shirts that spelled out horns down. So there's like a bunch of guys lined up, each guy with a letter on the shirt, and it spelled horns down. And an administrator for Texas went over there and basically made them take their shirts off or they was going to get kicked out of the game. And it's like, dude, this is sports. At the end of the day, most of these people are adults. Like, yeah, there might be the one odd person that's a 17-year-old that's in college or whatever. But, like, everybody is 18 to 22. You're allowed to join the military. You're allowed to get a job. You're allowed to go to jail if you commit a crime. So, we now all of a sudden, we're so soft that we can't look at something that spells horns down out in the crowd. And another reason I'm bringing this up is because this seems to be a common theme with Texas where anytime somebody does horns down or something, they – they they're all out of sorts. They act like it's yep. the end of the world. We've seen you it. See the basketball coach like a week before that. Yeah, I don't know if you heard about that. Oh yeah, yeah. he. We throwing him in clown of the week. Yeah, he's clown of the week too. We throwing <laughs> that's, him. That's in where there. I thought you were going. You went to the to the to the to the t-shirts. Yeah, well, I heard that was that before. Too, but... That was way before. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I'm yeah, glad yeah. you brought it up because he he could be thrown in there too. Uh, for freaking out over somebody doing horns down. He lucky it wasn't me because I would have kept doing it in his face. Post-game press conference and... He lucky it wasn't me because if it was me, I would have kept doing it in his face. I don't care if you were coach or not. (laughs) How about you win the damn game and nobody will do horns down? How about that? Um, It's true. But this is the type of... awakening. Yeah, this is the type of soft behavior that's going on. If you think that the SEC is going to allow this to keep going on, they're not going to hold your hand, bro. First of all, y'all a newcomer in this conference that's existed for 100 years. And the SEC has some of the most fierce fan bases in sports, not even just college sports, but sports in general. The most fierce, passionate fan bases, most of them are in the South, in the SEC. And they're not going for that for that soft BS when you when you get there. If you think that, that you could have somebody removed from a sporting event because they're doing horns down, you out your damn mind. Like, that's something totally different than somebody saying a racial slur or somebody doing a middle finger. Like, if, if somebody does something like that, okay. But that's just blatantly disrespectful. Somebody doing horns down is all in good fun in the sport. That's just something that fans do. Like, I'm sure um, nobody was complaining when people are putting the Miami U upside down and all this other nonsense. Like, 
Like nobody, nobody is complaining about that when somebody does that to them. But for some reason, y'all think y'all too good for some somebody to do that to y'all. Like no. Or when they, or when they gator chomp when we lose. Yeah. Making me hot. I'm not gonna lie. I'd be mad. But yo, but at the is. end of the day, it's just part of being a fan. Like if, yeah, if somebody's not doing something that's crazy, disrespectful, or racist, or dangerous, you can't have them kicked out of a sporting event. You can't get all mad about it. Like. What are we doing when we're at a sporting event and we're mad somebody does horns down? And and years ago they were. I'm sure the players don't even care either. Because there's like, not a it's, it's not that big people. of a deal. Yeah, exactly. It's just fans <laughs> and that administrator. Um, yeah. I, I I was gonna find his name, but you're not even worth me finding a name because you a nobody. You clowning a week for a reason. Um, this is the type of soft BS that's that's going on nowadays. And and when y'all get to the SEC, they're not going for that. You know, I remember years ago they were penalizing people for um doing it in football games. It's like, come on now. This is why the Big Twelve is in the place that it's in now, because y'all soft, man. Y'all gotta stop this soft mentality, <laughs> this soft behavior, because it's not helping you, it's not helping your student athletes, it's not helping anybody. You know, in life people are gonna say stuff and do stuff that you don't like. And sometimes you gotta deal with it. And the best way to deal with it is by performing well. You know, nobody can do a horns down if you win it by 30. So, you know, yeah. my advice for them is to just how about win a damn game and then nobody could do horns down. And if y'all think this is going to continue in the SEC, this you up for a rude awakening because they're not playing with you over there. And I wouldn't be playing with Kirby's either. son will be doing horns down <laughs> when they are in. Oh, I hope he does. I hope he run across the sideline. We'll be live at that game October 17th. We'll be in Austin. Hey, that's going to be game of the year, by the way. So that's going to be a banger. Sure. We definitely definitely do have a lot of things in the work for 2024 when it comes to college football. It's going to be a great year all around. Um, I will say, though, I I do think Keishan Boutte will still hold on to, to the crown. Oh yeah, now, he's definitely clown of the year so far. So far, <laughs> so far, he he will still hold the clown of the year. But you mean Keishawn Butte underscore one? <laughs> yeah, <O> seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this this was definitely a, a great clown of the week, a good challenger. Um, right now, he will remain for now. Uh, we'll tune back in next week for the next clown of the week, and we'll see if uh, they can top <laughs> and, and and take the crown away from Keishawn Butte. Low key, there was um, somebody I could have used for clown of the week that had an incident today, but we might save him for next sure week. You can save him for next week, or yeah, we'll find somebody <laughs> in next episode. Or well, um, you just wait for that Florida football to kick off. Man. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> Florida football's—it's different. Hey, this year, I'm telling you, Marco I'm Wilson is lucky we weren't doing clown of the week back then. That's back all then, I'm saying. Yeah, because he's, he's clown of the century. Yeah, he's, he's definitely. Yeah, he's definitely clown of, of more than a year because we're yeah, still talking sure. about it. For sure, for sure. I'm sorry you had to go through um, that, bro. Honestly. Ah, man, it happens. It happens. No, it, doesn't. it doesn't happen. That's, it doesn't. I just gotta, that's how I cope. That's how I cope. Um, real quick, let's, let's talk a little bit at Super Bowl. We're a week away from the action. Patch Mahomes, Brock Purdy. I mean, like I, like I mentioned earlier, we all watch Brock Purdy at Iowa State, and we, and we knew he was damn good. Like, but did did you guys ever think he'd be this good? I mean, I know obviously he is a product of a lot of the system and who he's surrounded with, but I do got to give props where props are due. I mean, 
you're not regular going to the Super Bowl. Period. Like that's just it's just not a thing that happens very often. So uh thoughts on Brock Purdy? Y'all think should he should he get the MVP over Lamar? <laughs> nah, nah, I stretched it. I stretched it. Yeah, man. um, that is nonsense. That was crazy. That was crazy. That was, that was crazy. That was crazy. That was crazy. I don't. I don't <laughs> even believe. I don't even believe. Before Brock, yeah, yeah. I'm definitely. I'm definitely that. rocking with Lamar. But I mean, Purdy is nah, doing Purdy's what he's supposed to do, though. man. Like when yeah. you when you on a team that has that good of a roster and that good of coaching, like you're just put in prime position to succeed. So, but but he definitely deserves all the credit because it's tough, man. That Lions team was really good. That they had to beat. They came down. They came back. From being yeah, down seventeen to to get to the Super Bowl, and this game is going to be even tougher. So if the 49ers win this game, I mean, definitely got to put some respect on Brock Purdy if you haven't already. Yeah, I don't think they're going to get it done, but I think I think it is impressive that so he has at least got there. So you're picking the Chiefs? Yeah, yeah I I think the Chiefs are going to win. I mean, so am I. I thought I had the Chiefs over Baltimore. I just you know it's yeah. It's it's Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I'm rocking with the he's Chiefs. He's the factor, too. and then the Chiefs' defense is just it's it's good enough this year to get it done. Obviously, um, I think the Chiefs' secondary was really fucking teams up this year. Yeah, honestly, I think they have a really good defense. Spag, Coach Spag, yeah, yeah. to sleep on. They got arguably the best DC this year. Coach Spag is going dumb, and that, that secondary is just nuts. Chris Jones. Top three pass rushers. Yep. Nick Bolton hurt hurt them this year, and they lost in many ways last week. But that the defense hurt. is usually what would let them down when Mahomes couldn't do everything himself. But it's the opposite right now. Exactly. Mahomes looked like he took off his whole entire year just to play in the <laughs> postseason. And Pacheco and running hard. Out. Yeah, Pacheco. Always. That's a, another X factor for them. And you got guys like your Steve Rice. Holmes is always going to find a way to get it done, but when other people do their job, it just makes it just so much harder. I do think that this season's defense is going to be better than obviously the Lions' defense. The Lions' defense, most people were surprised by that game because not only because the 49ers were getting blown out, but because they weren't blowing, blowing the Lions out. Mm-hmm. The Lions' secondary was terrible. They were supposed to put over 350 yards, but 49ers haven't played a defense like the Chiefs where you're going to have to score on every single possession. You have no choice. They haven't played defense like that. So we're going to see because once you're playing from behind against Mahomes, you might as well beast. pack it up. Yes, sir. It's a different beast. But, I mean, if there is a team to do it, it, it probably is going to be this 49ers team. They yep. are built to be a, a superstar quarterback like Mahomes. Like you said, they're a very talented roster from top to bottom. You can argue they're better than the Chiefs. So. We'll see. I mean, that's why the game is played, right? Yep. Um, I like the Chiefs, though. Steph, what you going? Chiefs. Haas? Oh, man. I'm going to have to go with KC. If I have to put my money on it, I'm going KC. You got score predictions? I I, I don't think either team gets a 30. Yeah, I was going to say 24-17 Chiefs. 24, okay. I I like that. I like 31-24 Chiefs. 31-24? I was Only because I know I'm very familiar with this 49ers team. I watched the 49ers a lot this year. Cincinnati played them on the road, started that three game losing streak they went on, and I know they have holes. Like yeah. their secondary, once you take the top off that defense, there's, there's going to be a lot of miscommunication going on. Like 
they don't seem to recover once you start airing it out on them. And we've seen what happened. The Ravens, surprisingly, in the second half, had a great game against Mahomes. They held him to zero points. That was incredible, but that's rare. You know? That is rare. I mean, but that Ravens, uh, Mike McDonald, he's a, he's a great DC. He's a head coach now, right? I'm, not I'm excited, though, to see just the matchups across the board. Like, yeah, There's not going to be one play or one second of that game that's not going to be interesting. It doesn't matter who's on offense or defense. Warner, Pacheco, can't wait to see it. Sneed, Ayuk. It's gonna be it's gonna it's gonna be a great game for sure, but I see the script this year. I see what the NFL did. <laughs> the Taylor Swift uh gotta lock it in. But um But all right. Um if y'all don't got nothing else, we could close it out here. Appreciate you guys as usual for tuning in. You guys are here with us an hour and seventeen, an hour and eighteen minutes deep. We appreciate the love. Even if you just tuned in for five minutes, still appreciate the love. Make sure you subscribe to us on whichever platform you you uh, prefer, whether that be Apple Podcast or Spotify. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Pigskin Live. You can also follow our brand page at Pigskin. Um, other than that, we will catch you guys on the next episode. Peace. Yes, sir. Jimbo Fisher, you a hoe.